Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Becca Freeman. And I'm Grace Atwood. And we just have some lady with us here that we're interviewing, (laughs) some rando. I'm not interviewing anyone. (laughs) You're doing the interview. Grace is the (laughs) guest this week. We're continuing our interviewing each other series, and it's Grace's turn in the hot seat. She's just some woman today. I am. We got a lot of questions for you. I saw. I saw. So I'll try and go quickly and and get through a lot of them, but there's a lot. The people are wondering things. (laughs) Um, Before we get into it, should we do some highs and lows? Yeah. What's your high this week? My high is I am making great book progress. I have finally kicked myself into high gear. I think it has to do with the fact that the end of the year is looming, so I feel some pressure. Yeah. And also, I crossed over the 50% mark, and I I can, like, see the end, so I just need to get there. So I've been doing so well. I've written 13,000 words this month, and I'm, like, just shy of 50,000 words total. We're recording this right before Thanksgiving, and my – goal for the month is 20,000 words, which I think I'll hit. So it feels like it's going. I'm like, I'm excited. Good, good. That's exciting. So that's exciting. And then also a few weeks ago, I was out to dinner with Rachel and I was a little bit tipsy. She goes to Mexico City every year for the month of February, with the exception of the past year because of COVID. So she's going to be in Mexico City in February. And I was drunk and I was like, I'm going to come for two weeks. And then nice. But I actually think that it was like drunk words were sober thoughts. I was like, yeah, I do want to do that. So I decided to go to Mexico City for two weeks in February. And I'm super excited. Fun. So fun. Yeah. I mean, it's like Mexico City is great. I've been there a bunch of times and I really love it. And I've always I love spending time there. And so it would be fun to be there for a little bit longer. But it's also so cheap to live there, like everything from the food to the lodging, et cetera. So I'm like, well, no skin off my back. It'll be cheaper than living in New York. So perfect. Yeah, that's my high. What's yours? Um, I just had a really nice day with my mom. You know, she was in Ithaca for her, like nine days visiting my sister. They had it, they drove there because they didn't want to fly. And then the boys aren't vaccinated. So there was a whole thing. So they drove and then they were with my sister. So she was gone for like nine days, 10 days. And then I was in LA. So we hadn't seen each other in like two weeks, which it's funny in itself that now I'm like, I haven't seen my mom in two weeks. But like, that's where we are now, like eight months into living in Charleston. And we had a fun girls day. We went out to Baba's and got salads and coffees. Then we walked all the way up to like the end of King Street and went shopping and like picking out gift ideas for people. And then we ended the day with a glass of champagne and it was just nice to have one-on-one time with her. That sounds so nice. Yeah. These are like the things I imagined doing when I moved here. So it was fun to get to do them. Yeah. What about on the low side? You know... Long distance relationships are hard um, and it's completely worth it. And I am, I'm so happy right now. Our schedules just aren't lining up and like, I don't know when I'm going to see my boyfriend next. And that's hard. We'll figure it out. I think that we might do like a midweek visit somewhere in in there. Like our schedules are both just pure chaos. And um, I think we're going to try and meet up in New York before Christmas. So that would be great. Oh, fun. Do I get to see you or are you just like absconding to a hotel room? No, no. I mean, we might have sconned for part of it, but something kind of fun is one of his family members is actually conducting the Metropolitan Opera. And I was like, that is a once in a lifetime thing. We need to go. So I'm 
hoping that um, we can make that work because I think the performance is Cinderella. I love the opera. I think it's so fun and glamorous and exciting, but also like this is like a once in a lifetime thing for his family member. Um, That's so cool. Wait, speaking of family members, I didn't tell you I drinks with your cousin on Friday. Oh, fun. She's coming down here for a a weekend with her boyfriend. I heard all about it. Yeah. Well, I haven't heard anything about it. I was I emailed her today. I mean, texted her. I was like, what's going on? Like, is this happening? So we got to make plans. Well, I stole her. Yeah. She's yours now. (laughs) What's your low? Um, I have two lows. So first low is that there's construction outside of my apartment. So if you hear any kind of like rogue noise, I think the heavy construction is maybe done for today, but they, it's been, it's, it's been quite a something for the past two days. I do not know what they are doing. The amount of construction that happens on this corner where I live and you used to live is wild. Like you would think that they were building something really impressive and every time they finish it just is the same same. corner i gotta tell you my anxiety and just like stress levels are are a lot better living somewhere quiet and i didn't even think about it until i lived here but it's really nice to not have that constant noise they've got to finish it at some point right yeah it's usually only lasts less than a week but it's just been tough the past two mornings because I usually like to write in the morning and, you know, at 7.30 a.m. sharp, like somebody's out there with a jackhammer and I'm like, oh, yeah. so that's not ideal. And then my second low is I feel like a lot of people are in this boat right now. It's um, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. And today is my Everest. I just had all of my calls rescheduled from the whole week to Tuesday. And I am just like in back to back call hell. Oh, so it is not a relaxing send off into the holiday week, but yeah, I'm making it. Yeah, I'm making it. Well, let's take a little quick ad break and then let's get into some of these questions. Okay. So today's episode is sponsored by ZocDoc. We're getting close to the end of the year. And if you've been putting off making those doctor's appointments, now is the time. I actually love going to the doctor because I always have such a sense of relief after But I know that making the appointment and actually getting there can be such a pain. And I told you guys that a few months back, I went on this post-quarantine doctor spree to just catch up on all the doctor's appointments that I had skipped during the depths of quarantine. I had to see my primary care doctor. I had to find a new gynecologist. I needed to go to the dermatologist for the first time in years. And I'm embarrassed to tell you that the task of booking these appointments languished on my to-do lists for months And it was especially daunting because I had to find all new doctors. And I thought this was going to be such a huge pain, and I avoided doing it. And also, I wasn't just avoiding it. I was also stressing about not doing it for months. And it turns out it took me all of five minutes to find a new doctor and book an appointment right online with ZocDoc. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc, and I'm one of them. It is my go-to whenever I need to see a doctor. ZocDoc makes healthcare easy. Just download the free ZocDoc app, the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment. I just plugged in my zip code, my insurance information, and any preferences. So for example, I definitely wanted a female gynecologist and voila, they give you a list of providers in your area. You can read verified reviews and book an appointment all online without ever having to wait on hold with a receptionist. Whether you need a primary care physician, dentist, dermatologist, psychiatrist, eye doctor, or other specialist, ZocDoc has you covered. Now is the time to prioritize your health. Go to ZocDoc.com slash BOP and download the ZocDoc app. 
to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash B-O-P. All right, Grace, into the questions. Into the questions. Let's do this. All right. So I bucket them into categories. The first one are blogging and career questions. And we got some very interesting ones that I don't think I've heard you address before. Yeah, there were some good ones. Starting off, somebody wanted to know, do bloggers like Grace who post daily pictures of themselves have high self-esteem to do so? I wasn't sure if this was a snarky question, so I'm going to answer it genuinely. I don't know. I mean, first of all, I want everyone to have high self-esteem. I saw somebody... Amber Filler up posted something where like she saw that someone like wrote her a message being like, wow, you really love yourself. And she was like, I do love myself and I want you all to love yourselves, too. So, you know, I I will tell you and and you know this, like I'm not always dressed to the nines. Like I try and keep it realistic and fun. And some days I'm like, I look like shit and I'll say I look like shit. But I don't know. We all have our off days, but I try to have good self-esteem and to be my own number one fan because if I if I don't like me who else is gonna like me well I was wondering does it make you more or less critical of yourself and your appearance to like be constantly taking photos are you like oh there's nine million so it doesn't really matter if this one's okay or do you get like nitpickier nitpickier I would say that you know especially in the beginning I've, I've gotten better but you know I definitely had like a lot of bad dysmorphia especially in the early days of blogging where I just like like you see yourself at every bad angle and it can be really hard to see like like when you're just like looking up or like looking down and you look like you have a lazy eye or like you just like don't look the way that you want to look. So it can be hard to see pictures of yourself like that. And also like as a blogger, I'm like a lot taller than a lot of other bloggers. So for a time, like, I mean, we joke that I think I'm like so tall, but when you're constantly around people who are five feet tall and a size zero, you feel like very large. So there's definitely things that have made my self-esteem worse at times or like, I mean, snark sites really do a good job for that for that for you too, but I try not to look at those. Yeah. Do you ever get tired of having to buy things or keep up with new products? Not really. Like before blogging, like I was always like the consumer of my friends. I was always trying things out and like this is just part of who I am. Like I just love trying new things. I love to shop. I feel like we're in a very like anti-consumerism movement right now. So maybe that's bad, but I like to shop. I like acquiring things. I will say sometimes um, it can be challenging because you'll get put on these PR mailers and people just send you stuff you don't want. And then I'm very like, make sure that I give it to somebody that will like it in that kind of a mindset. And that can be hard because it's just like stuff piles up and I do not like clutter and I do not like mess. And that that can be hard. But as for like me buying things, I love it. It's fun. I need you to know that as Grace says, I don't like clutter. I don't like mess. Behind her is like this explosion of boxes. I I am my guest room where I record is Santa's workshop right now. It's bad. (laughs) Yeah. I'm curious about this question that we got for you. Would you ever write a book and what would it be about? I would. I don't want to say any more than that because I have an idea in my head, but I don't feel (gasps) I don't feel comfortable enough to share it. Will you share it with me? Yeah, I think I've told you a little bit about the idea. Oh, it's the same. It's the same. thing. It's the same thing. Yeah. Okay, I know what you're talking about. I just don't have any free time right now. So I don't know when I would do it. And I see all the time you're spending on yours. I'm like, I don't have that kind of discipline or time right now. I think I did it wrong. I, I It's actually really shocking how 
much mental gymnastics and how little time it has taken for this first draft. And I think if I did it a second time, I would do it completely differently. So don't don't use me as a, as a deterrent from doing it. Yeah. Here's a fun question. What has been your all-time bestseller through affiliate links and what's been a surprise success? I would say that bestseller is like anything I wear a lot and like wear over and over again. So especially when they go on sale, like the La Florandel sandals, the gold Birkenstocks, um, Augustinus Botter, whenever that goes on sale, it's like mm-hmm. a bestseller for a week or two. The Vince Warren sneakers I always wear, my A-gold jeans. I think a surprising one was the Amazon fleece, the one that's kind of long with the gold snaps. Like people loved that, but it's really like the cutest fleece out there. Also kind of surprising, I bought this white lace dress from Anthropology this year and it's very cute and it's great, but um, it like sold like gangbusters. Huh. Yeah. So that was one. The Amazon nightgown like way back in the day was a, a surprise. I just thought it was like a cute house dress and, you know, we were all just very dressed down that summer and it's it's fine but like it was like i think i sold like sold like three thousand of them or something wild yeah you started a movement yeah yeah um somebody else wanted to know would you ever consider hiring somebody as you continue to build your brand why or why not so i have i have um my partnerships director i mean i pay her a lot and she's she doesn't work just for me she works for um like two other bloggers, I want to say, but she, she does a lot for me. She's, we've started pitching this year. Like the Chappie Rap collaboration came about because I had her pitch them. The Sarah Flint collaboration came about because we pulled all these numbers and data and reached out to them. So I do. I, um, I also have a graphic designer. These are all freelancers, a slew of photographers I work for, two people kind of helping me out in a part-time assistant way like Maddie pulls insights for me Maddie who also does our podcast social stuff and posts a lot of my sponsored content for me um and then I have a girl Sarah who helps me set up collages and stuff like they both you know only work for me like maybe a couple hours a week what I would like is to hire a full-time assistant like somebody who is with me in person maybe 20 hours and maybe doing another 20 hours of week of work I just, between this long distance relationship and the podcast and the blog and Instagram, I don't have time. Like there's so much I want to do, but I don't have time to train someone. Like I don't, I'm not, I won't, I'm not here or like when I am here, I'm running around like a maniac. So I would love that. I think it's part of my, I guess, short term plan, but I don't know when I'll even like have the energy to do that. So right now it's very piecemeal. Maybe the person who asked is your dream candidate and they're going to send you a note with like, how they're going to make your life easier. Yeah, if that's you and you know how to make reels and you you have great photography skills, like definitely hit me up. But I'm not looking for someone that needs a lot of training and that's tricky. Yeah. What's your dream product collaboration? So I really want to develop like beautiful caftans. And, you know, I did a little bit of that with Amazon and the drop and that was a very, very fun chapter, but I really want to do something a little like in the like probably like 120 to like $180 price point. And I have not found a partner. There was somebody, you know about this and we pitched them, Kristen and I wrote like a whole thing and like pulled all this data and they totally ghosted us. So they were not interested in me. There's this one brand that I really like and I like buy a lot of their stuff and they work with so many influencers, but I just don't think they like me. And 
that's fine. Like I'm not everyone's cup of tea, but I'm trying to figure out another brand for something like that because I just want something that's a little bit more, sorry, what's the word? Just like luxe. Yeah. Like something a little bit more high end, but not totally unaffordable. Like I'm not trying to make some $500 caftans, but I would like to figure something out that's like a little bit of a step up, like something that's going to last in your closet for a long time. And you can do that with a caftan. Like caftans don't require a ton of tailoring and like, I guess, effort on the um, manufacturing side. It just has to be like a really great fabric and a very good, simple cut. Yeah. Here's the question that I feel like so many people are wondering, but everyone thinks would be rude to ask. Somebody wanted to know, in the spirit of women being more transparent about money, what's the salary range for influencers? You know, it's all over the place. And I I did leave this question in the outline because it was phrased nicely. And it wasn't, how much money do you make? Because I'm not going to share my income. Like, I feel strange about that. But I will say, I think it depends so much on how many followers you have. It depends so much on your engagement and your um, ability to drive sales. Because, you know, like, I'd say probably 40% of my income comes from affiliate links, which is because people click on my links and they shop and they trust my recommendations. And that's why I've always just been so careful about everything I link to that it has to be really good because otherwise someone buys something and they hate it and they like hate you and unfollow you and never want to buy something you link again. But I would say I'm just thinking about Instagram here because there's just so many nuances. I think that bloggers I know with like over 100,000 followers to say like 300,000 followers probably make between $300,000 a year to like a million. Oh, wow. Which is so all over the board. I think specifically that's also fashion and beauty influencers versus, for instance, book influencers. There's very little money in that. Yes. Fashion and beauty are much more lucrative. I mean, people will like, I remember during the Black Lives Matter movement, people got upset with me for affiliate linking some anti-racism books. And I was like, totally, you have such a point. And like, so I donated all my book revenue that month to one of the charities. I don't remember which one. And I was like, it's 500 bucks. Like I donate thousands of dollars. Like this isn't, you know, it's people have, I think it's, there's not a lot of transparency because, you know, I can link a dress and make 20% on it. I'm thinking about Amazon commission rates, whereas a book, I I maybe make 5% and it's a $12 item. So it's and I also like with books, I have a lot of library readers. So I'm not out there blogging about books to make money. Whereas a lot of other categories like and I also know um, in talking to bloggers in the food space, that is not that lucrative. So um, I'm very lucky. And I think that the category is is probably one of the more lucrative categories as an influencer. And it definitely depends on your conversion rate and also your engagement and all of that. Like right now, the engagement on my grid is not great, but my story views are really good. So a lot of advertisers want to spend money on stories, but not grid posts. But because stories expire within 24 hours, that's my least expensive deliverable, even though it's the most effective one. So I have to do more story ads to make up for for that, which um, it's like a whole thing. Like if I had my dream world, I would just be blogging and doing my email newsletter because those are where I can like sit and get cozy and write and like feel like there's not this like urgency and this constant sharing, sharing, sharing. But that's not the nature of the industry right now. In case anyone 
is interested, I just pulled up the spreadsheet where I track my income. Um, and so far this year, I've made uh, just shy of three thousand uh, dollars from my Instagram presence <laughs> from like three from like two sponsored posts and like random Amazon stuff. But this isn't my job. Yeah, it's not your job. And I am like constantly sharing and also constantly buying things to share, which again, I like that part of the job. I like to shop. But yeah, I hope yeah. that it gives some clarity. It's just so it's so nuanced. Like I know people with half a million followers that make less money than I do. Whereas I know people with, say, 70 to 100,000 followers probably make more money than I do because their audience is so freaking engaged. Okay. What is your favorite and least favorite thing about your job? I would say my favorite thing is the community. You know, I was out – Jeff and I were out walking around one day and these two girls came up to us and – proceeded to tell us that they were, um, one of them was getting married and the other one was a bridesmaid and they actually met through my Facebook group. And that was like, I helped like, sweet. Yes. I was like, I helped make best friends. I was like, this is the greatest feeling ever. I really like the freedom and the flexibility. Like I couldn't be in a long distance relationship if I had a a full-time day job. I like the perks. The perks are fun. I like the other influencers I've met. I've met some of my closest friends, be it other influencers or people who work in PR and on the brand side. Like I wouldn't know Alex if it weren't for my for my blog. Least favorite? I have to tell you, sometimes with Instagram stories, it feels like there is just so much pressure to constantly be interesting. And I'm not always interesting. Like I am I like having like a semi-boring, calm life. Like I like that. Um, and it feels oftentimes like I'm like this dancing monkey. And if I'm boring, like and I'm not posting a lot, like Instagram won't show my stuff to people and that affects my revenue, which is frustrating. And also like people are fickle. And if you're suddenly like not interesting enough to them, that's hard. I think it's hard sometimes when people can just comment on everything. Like when I got Botox, I got so many messages just about like people being disappointed in my decision or how I looked so much better before. And it's like, this is like, if I wasn't an influencer, like I wouldn't have to share that kind of stuff. There's weird stuff with dating. Like I get, I totally get the curiosity about my boyfriend. He's reserved and doesn't really want to be on the internet. Like, could you imagine dating someone who has 174,000 followers and like suddenly having to be subjected to that? Like that shouldn't be a requirement to date me to like be exposed to all of those people. You know, we were at Shutters a couple of weeks ago and I got a lot of DMs from people who said, and people were like, I was on the boardwalk and I wanted to say hi. And I'm like, I wish you did. Cause like, I love when people say hi, but somebody else like took a picture of us and then was like, Ooh, you did well, girl, or something about, about him. And I didn't love that. Like it felt, I'm not like a famous influencer. So I can't even imagine what it's like to have like more of an audience than I have, but there's just things that feel sometimes like an invasion of privacy. Yeah, totally. I could see that. The picture thing weirded me out, you know? That feels very Joe from you. Yeah, I just didn't – I didn't like it. And he just doesn't – he doesn't want to be posted. And I can't – you know, if you really want to find him, you can. Like, I've had friends tag him and stuff because I'm not going to be that friend who micromanages her friends is like, don't tag. I've said, like, he doesn't really want to be tagged, but they still do it. So it, I just – you know, I don't – that's where it's hard is is with dating. And I try and, like, strike a healthy balance of, like – sharing funny stories, but not his face. And if you want tips about being in a long distance relationship, which we're going to get into, I'm happy to share that, but I'm not going to share him. And maybe that'll change, but it's not, I don't think that should be a requirement just for, for doing what I do. It's so unfair to the other person. Yeah. 
Let's get into some Charleston questions. Yes. Speaking about your boyfriend, but not, <laughs> what is the what is your ideal date night in Charleston and in okay. New York City? Okay. Um, in New York City, I would say it would probably be something that winds up at Bemelman. So maybe we do like a fancy dinner at like Polo Bar or like there's a few like – or like Il Buco, which is like this amazing Italian restaurant on the Upper East Side. And then we end up at Bemelman's and like are listening to music and like canoodling in a bo- in a booth, like drinking dirty martinis. This is also Grace's ideal friend date. I've I've it been is. on this exact date with her like nine times. Yeah, yeah. It's my- so it can also be a platonic date. It can be either one. Um, and then I'm just thinking of like a fun, fancy night, whether it's with your partner or your best friend, either one. And then for a. Charleston night, I'd say something similar, which would be going to bin 152, which is my favorite wine bar, especially late at night. It gets really dark and moody and romantic and having dinner at, oh wait, no, I'd start at the Thoroughbred Club in Charleston Place, which is a really fun, it's like the closest we have to like a polo bar or not a polo bar, like a, a Bemelman's kind of vibe. Like it's dark and moody and they've got a great martini. So we'd have a martini Is it a restaurant or a bar? Okay. With music. So we'd have a martini there. Then we would go to dinner at maybe Chez Nu, which is one of my favorite restaurants. But they only have two appetizers and two entrees every day. So say the menu that day is bad. Then we're going to go to Hall's Chop House and get like steaks or like fish or like something delicious. And then we're going to go to Bin 152 to like wind down the night. Okay. When am I when am I invited to go on this date? Um, I don't know. Come visit. <laughs> okay. Um, somebody wanted to know what your ideal home to own looks like in your head? You know, it's hard because um, I don't want something super big and I will see all these amazing houses downtown and I'm like, oh, that looks great. And then I look it up on Zillow and it's so expensive and it's also um, huge. (laughs) So I could afford to live like in that area that I like, like by the lake or south of Broad or something, but I want like a three bedroom home, not like a four or five. And I don't want I don't want something really big. I want it to be like cozy and cute, like more of a like pied de terre. Um, I want to have a nice porch. That's like outdoor space is important. Oh, yeah. The porches are so cute there. Yeah. Like a little garden, maybe room for like a little cocktail pool. Um, I want to have a really nice bathroom with a big bathtub and a really good closet. And I'm now, are you are you looking for something that is not – not a fixer-upper, but, like, do you want to do it yourself and create your own bathroom and closet and kitchen, or do you want something that is already perfect? I'd like it to be already perfect because I don't think that's a skill set that I have time for or um, or energy for or something I'm even very good at, but I don't know. We'll see. I'm not actively looking right now. Like, between this relationship and the fact that I just moved, like, I know I don't know a lot about what the future holds. I know that I'll be in this apartment for another year. And that could look like spending more time in L.A., but keeping this place, it could look like a lot of things, like buying something and, and like, renovating it and staying here for another six months. But um, I don't really know what's going on with my life or, like, what our long-term plan is. So, And I also – moving was so hard. Like, I feel, I feel like such a brat complaining like this because I did have people pack me up and move me. But the unpacking, the putting things away, the just feeling like everything in my life was, like, a mess – I don't want to do that in, a, in four months or whatever it is in April, this April. Like, I know that I want to stay in this place for two years total. Um, is it weird not having a car and the ability to drive places in Charleston? 
No. Um, you haven't is, made any moves to get your license, so it doesn't seem like it's like that big a deterrent. You know, the the what would be a deterrent is is it when I, if and when I spend more time in LA, um, <laughs> it I I would need a car there. I can't and I can't just like rely on Jeff to drive me everywhere because if I do like go for more than like four or five nights and go for two weeks, say. I'd want to see friends out there and like do stuff and I wouldn't be able to like Uber around. It would just be way too expensive. I'll tell you, I walk pretty much everywhere in Charleston. I live downtown and it's super easy. Like the the peninsula, like if I walk all the way to the water, like down to like South Abroad is maybe a little under two miles away from me. So it's not that far. I can walk pretty much anywhere downtown if I want to, or I can Uber. My mom and dad pick me up quite a bit. I have friends who who drive and they pick me up quite a bit. And it's never like, I'm never like, can I have a ride? Like, because I would just Uber. It's just people offer. So it's really not bad. The only time it's bad is I have not found a good waxing studio here. And I don't even really like the place I go to that much. So if you have a good waxing or sugaring place that's on the peninsula and you're listening, let me know. So I go for a bikini wax and a brow wax once a month at European Wax Center and it's fine. I Uber there and I'm like, what the, what is my life? I'm Ubering to get a bikini wax. Like, I don't like that. But other than that, it's like completely easy and fine. Yeah, but that again, it's like a weird added expense to like tack on to a wax. <laughs> yes. But again, I do, I live downtown. Like if I lived up further north, like by my sister, my sister lives in the Hampton Park area. I would definitely want a car, but where I am, it's totally, totally manageable. Somebody else wanted to know, how did you have so many good friends in Charleston before you moved there? So before the pandemic, I was in Charleston probably six to eight times a year. I have three very, very good friends, not influencers, like Natalie, Nick, and Greg. And I met them through New York. And I've known them like for like years and years and years. Like, I don't know, like I've known Natalie for like almost 10 years and then the guys I've known for less time. Natalie is the original sorority house occupant yes she lived in grace's apartment like before i did we always like kept it yeah yeah so through and then through them i met like a ton of people then through blogging um years ago chastity invited me on a press trip to charleston which is when i first fell in love with it and i had known chastity for years through blogging so i've known chastity even longer like probably 12 years i love chastity i don't think she would be offended if i said this I did not think that I was going to like her. And she is. I've told so her the story. She, yeah. I told her this. Yeah, she's super fun. She's like the best. I just had dinner with her last night. And then so I made all these relationships on that press trip. And one thing I do think I'm good at is, you know, every time I was in Charleston for like six, six or seven years of visiting, I'd reach out and I made some really good friends. And at the time that I moved here, I would have said, you know, I had three best friends in New York and three best friends in Charleston. And it felt very evenly split, but I've met a lot of great people here through those friends and just through like going out and stuff. And it's been a really easy place to make friends. Like people are very friendly. People are very into the New Yorkers in Charleston thing as so many New Yorkers have moved there. And like a lot of people want um, to find other friends in like the creative community that share that, like moved from New York experience. Um, so the I guess the long answer is that I've been coming here for so long and then I have friends from New York who have moved here. And then just I, I really went out of my way when I got here to like make friends, which is not something that I'm very good at. Like I, I'm kind of – I've said it before. I'm kind of a curmudgeon that likes to like stay at home and like 
have one friend over to watch a movie. So I really worked at it and it paid off a lot because I've made some great, great friends here. Are you ready for the style and beauty questions? I'm ready. How has your style changed from your 20s to your 30s and now your 40s? I think it's just simplified a little bit. Um, Well, in a couple of ways. Like I used to just put so many – I love a statement accessory, but I'd be like there's old blogging pictures where I've got like a cobalt bag and like a giant necklace and then like colored jeans and like – But to be fair, that was the style then. It was not just you. It It was (laughs) – it like in the peak of statement necklaces. First of all, we worked at Bottle Bar, but that was also like the trend. Yes, and then now I just think I just wear what I like, and if someone doesn't like it, like that's okay. One thing I really love about Jeff is he really encourages my crazy style, and this is probably because I've had boyfriends who like wanted me to dress a certain way, and like like even one that would like buy me clothes, like but there were his sense of what I should wear, not mine. Like I was wearing, you know, my like big 3D lace Levy style house caftans. Mm-hmm. I wore one of those to brunch with him and he's like, you look so good. He's like, you just have such an artistic eye for putting together outfits. And I was just like, I love you so much. But I want to wear like my bright colors and my big caftans and a statement earring. And then I feel like I just own it rather than being like, oh, is this too much? Like, I don't really care if it's too much. But I also de- definitely like two statement ac- accessories max, not three. <laughs> Um, Take one thing off before you leave the house. (laughs) Actually, two or three people asked this question. People wanted to know if you've changed your hair care routine because they said your hair looks great. So, okay, here's a a couple of things. First of all, I um, filled up my iCloud. So I went back and was like looking through old pictures. And I don't think I realized how bad my hair had gotten. And like it was just really, really ratty. But it's actually surprising that people are saying your hair looks better now weather wise, because like I I feel like in Charleston, like with the humidity, it's a worse hair city. Well, that was one of the things. It's a worse hair city. So all the way through September was always in a bun and it's been down more because the humidity is better. I'll tell you, I think that people like it stick straight the way I've been wearing it. And the only reason I wear it stick straight is because I go to dry bar um, if I have a big shoot. Like I over the past couple of weeks, I had a couple of big shoots. And then if I get a blowout, I don't wash it for like four or five days. And so I think that I had like stick pin straight hair for like a couple of weeks and people loved it. I go to dry bar and I just have them straight in it because I can't I cannot trust them to curl it because they make me look like a pageant queen. So I'm like just straight in it and then I'll curl it on my own or I'll leave it straight. So that's that's one tip. Go to dry bar and be like, don't do anything. Just blow it out straight. The other tip is the color. Why do you I like see. that better than doing it yourself? Just out of curiosity. Honestly, it's just been a time thing. Like I can sit and I can work in my chair and um, like re- reply to DMs or like just like get some stuff done on Instagram. as opposed to doing it myself. I don't usually, I usually do it myself. And I did just get the Dyson Airwrap and it's amazing. Um, Like right now it's pin straight and I did that with the Airwrap because there's like a brush attachment and I love that. Okay. It's really just, I had the night tire shoot and then I had the chappy shoot and I was, like those are like, like shoots tend to stress me a little bit. So if I have a shoot day, I try and, um, or if I'm like when I, um, hosted hit this book party I got a blowout that day because I just wanted to look good and I sat and I like worked on my questions for her as I got it so it's more if it's a day where I need to multitask also a blowout a dry bar takes them 40 30 40 minutes if they're not curling it it takes me an hour (laughs) so it's just a time thing 
Um, the last thing I'll say about hair is I used to spend so much money on cut and color and I go to this woman here in Charleston and it's like a third of what I paid in New York and she's the best colorist I've ever had. It's the best blonde. It's the blonde I always hoped for. Like I like a cool blonde, but I like to have, you know, dark, like, um, I guess like leaving some of it dark. It was always either too many highlights or it would um, it would get really brassy or like have that like more golden blonde. Like on me with my complexion, a golden blonde makes my skin look very ruddy, whereas a cooler blonde just works better with my skin tone. So it's the colorist. The colorist is amazing. And I would, her name is Stephanie Hathaway. She's not taking new clients. She's like, I'm like, should I tag you when I see her? And she's like, yeah, I want more followers, but I can't take any clients. So I feel badly promoting her, but, um, she's the best. Maybe DM her and see if you can get her. Like she, like, that's what I did. I was just like, I know that you're not taking clients, but I love your work. So you never know when you, when you send someone a DM. I'm very nervous. I think that I'm going to have to start coloring my hair probably in the next year because I have a lot of grays, which to rock them if you, if you want to. I want to – well, to date, my solution has just been yanking them, but it's now getting to be too many that I should probably not yank out that much hair. Yeah. Um, and I'm like very nervous about – I've never colored my hair. I think that that should be pretty straightforward. I think that – I mean, I don't know a lot about it, but I think that covering up – grays isn't that hard. Okay. When did you start getting into taking care of your skin? I would say probably age like age 28, I would say. That's was it because of SK2? It was partially because of SK2 and partially because of Sunday Riley because my friend did her PR. Because you worked on SK2, right? I didn't work on SK2, but um, I was at Procter & Gamble and we owned SK2 and we got a big training and they gave us a bottle of the essence. And I was like, this is amazing. At that time in my life, I could not afford a $200 essence. Like, But I was starting to use Kiehl's and Kiehl's was like my first nice skincare that I bought. And that was because I moved to New York and Nicolette was my roommate. And she was like, don't use Neutrogena, like use this. It's amazing. And like we would go to Bloomingdale's and like each buy one thing. And then by the time, like within a year, I had like a whole skincare routine. But the other thing was Sunday Riley. I remember trying Good Jeans like when it first came out. Like this was like 11 years ago. And I was like, oh, acids are great. And like learning about that and realizing that because I do have very dry skin, that my skin was much nicer when I exfoliated it more. How do you decide which investment fashion pieces are worth it? You know, I think it's tricky. I try and think, would I have this in 10 years? Um, and for me, like I do love color and stuff, but I think, you know, like a great camel coat, a Chanel handbag, things like that in neutral colors. Like I've had some misses over the year, like a pink velvet Chanel bag I bought. And like that kind of broke me of colorful, like expensive things because I was just like, what have I done? And so I just really try and think about every purchase. And I'm like, will I have this in 10, 15 years? Would I pass it down? Which, you know, I tend to spend a lot, not a lot, I guess a lot. On, it depends who who's looking at what budget. A lot on jewelry, coats, bags, shoes I try not to spend too much on because I do like tear them up. Like you'll never see me in a $1,000 pair of shoes. But, you know, I do have some bags that are that price. Coats last forever, like a good coat. Like I have a really beautiful Ralph Lauren camel hair coat. And that is, I know I'll have that 
when I'm 80. I hope I have it when I'm 80, as long as I don't like spill red wine down the front or something. (laughs) I have watched you accidentally set a Burberry trench on fire. Yes, I did do that once. I forgot about that. (laughs) It was just a little hole and I got it patched up and no one knows. (laughs) A a good tailor can fix a lot of things. (laughs) So so like maybe the coat will last till 80. (laughs) But yeah, I think that jewelry... Really good cashmere, coats, and bags. Shoes I'm way too hard on. Like, I like to spend, like, around that, like, Loeffler, Randall, Sarah Flint type of price, but you'll never see me buy, like, Louboutins or Jimmy Choo's and things like that because they just won't – they won't hold up. A lot of those are also, like, too high and uncomfortable. No, like, you're – I only wear comfortable shoes, like, but maybe maybe Louboutin's going to come up with a chunky block heel and I'll be really tempted by it. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Let's take another quick ad break. So if you haven't finished your holiday shopping yet, don't panic. We've got a secret source for incredible original gifts, and that is Uncommon Goods. So UncommonGoods.com has the best gifts for everyone in your life. We're talking moms, dads, teens, in-laws, best friends, your significant other, even your coworkers. And it's not just stuff that you can find anywhere else. Uncommon Goods has unique and creative gifts, often handmade by independent artists and makers. So skip the gifts that scream last minute and find something truly original at uncommongoods.com. Here are some of our favorite things from the site. So I really love all of their gift guides, especially the gift guides for kids. I also don't have any teens right now that I'm shopping for, but I love that they had a gift guide just for teenagers because I think they're so hard to shop for. The other thing I really love about their gifts for kids is that they encourage creativity. I think a lot of the kids' toys these days are like really plastic heavy or um, just really digital and I like that these like they have a lot of like crafty things. So they had these draw in pajamas that I thought were amazing, like really good craft kits, things that I just know I would have loved as a kid and things that my sisters would approve of me giving because they're like there's there's very strict rules around what gifts can be given. Um, one gift that I thought was so cool was they had this world map tablecloth that kids can color in. So they're like they can sit and color and be occupied, but they're also kind of learning a little bit about geography. That's cool. Yeah. A couple things that I loved is they have these really great curated stocking kits. So it's not just one stocking stuffer. They're $49 and they're organized by person and it comes with a bunch of small gifts for that person. So they have like ones for dad, ones for kids, um, like self-care ones. So it's a really easy way to like one-stop shop. And then also um, it's puzzle season. And I've got to say, I've gotten so many good puzzles from Uncommon Goods. They have a great selection of puzzles and games, whether you're gifting them or in my case, if you're buying them for yourself. Uncommon Goods looks for products that are high quality, unique, and often handmade or made in the U.S. They have the most meaningful out of the ordinary gifts anywhere. Uncommon Goods also offers uncommon experiences. You can choose from live online classes in mixology, cooking, flower arranging, embroidery, and more from handpicked artists and experts. And with every purchase you make at Uncommon Goods, they give back $1 to a nonprofit partner of your choice. To date, they have donated more than $2.5 million. To get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash BOP. That's uncommongoods.com dot com slash BOP for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon goods were all out of the ordinary. All right, Grace, on to the second half of these questions. I'm ready. Including the boyfriend ones, if people are thinking about skipping out. 
Um, but first, the book ones. So a lot of people asked me my favorite thriller or my favorite rom-com trope. Do you have a favorite thriller like trope or plot device? No, and I don't want one because with like with a rom-com, I feel like it's kind of satisfying when you're like, oh, two like two people, one bed, whatever. If it's a thriller and I've seen it before, I like get annoyed because I'm like, ew, you know, like, like, I don't know. I'm thinking of like The Last Mrs. Parrish. There was a couple books like that one. And I was like, oh, I've seen this. Um, So I don't want to have the same thing happen. Well, do you have like a favorite type? Like, I, I obviously like a boarding school thriller. Like, do you have something like that or no? You're kind of an equal opportunity thrillerist. I think kind of equal opportunity. I love if it takes place in a startup. Um, I love anything about a cult. Mm-hmm. And I love um, like a scorned ex-wife slash new wife. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, how do you mark your place in a book? This cracks me up because I always get asked it when I do my Instagram questions. Um, People have feelings about this and I am – they do not like my answer. I fold down the page. Yep. Me too. I also take my books in the bath with me. They get wet. Like it's it's fine. And then I give them to someone else and they get even an even worse shape. So I'm sorry if this upsets you. If it was a library book or I was borrowing and I had to give it back to someone, I would use a bookmark and I would be more careful. Also, a lot of the books we get are um like advanced copies. And so they're like paperbacks that are kind of like shoddily put together. And so I don't feel so bad folding it down. I don't feel bad at all. Yeah. Um, if you could invite three living authors to dinner, who would you choose? I just picked people I would have a lot of questions for. And well, I picked Robin Lee because even though we've met her, I just I love her and I love her book. And I'd want to like just kind of like be like, when's the book? We need a second book. We need a second book. And she'd probably yeah, walk just, out. Like, get her a little drunk and be like, what are you working on? <laughs> yeah. Um, I would invite Taylor Jenkins Reid. She's probably one of my all time favorite authors. Um, and then I would invite Matt Haig. I would just have so many questions. I think he's such a great mental health advocate. I think his Instagram – do you follow him on Instagram? I don't. I've I've looked in on his Instagram, but I don't follow him. I feel like I repost like everything he posts. I just like think he's amazing and I love the Midnight Library so much. So I would follow – I would invite those three. I feel like they're, they also would likely get along. I think they would. I think they'd be yeah. friends. Yeah. Um, for you, what factors into DNFing a book? What's your criteria? Well, it depends. If I just can't get into it, I I get rid of it. If it's something that is like a theme I'm just not interested in, like the admissions scandal, like we read admission and I really enjoyed it. And then I proceeded to watch all these documentaries about it. And then um, <laughs> there was more books that came out about admissions and I just DNF'd all of them because I was like, I don't want to read any more about this thing. Wait, is, that's not DNFing though. D- DNF is like when you start and then you don't finish. Yeah, but this book wasn't – this one book was oh, a Jennifer so – so then you kept starting them and then you didn't finish them. Yeah, yeah. I know what DNF is. You didn't used to. I didn't. I thought it was did not fuck and it was like a dating term. <laughs> did not – did not. It's a different kind of not finishing. It's just reading. It's much more – Do you much- <laughs> Do you have like a certain number of pages you give a book or it's just like by gut feeling? A gut feeling. Okay. Um, I try and give it at least 50, but yeah. Yeah. Are you ready for some boyfriend questions? (laughs) Yes. Do you think that your boyfriend will move to Charleston? So there was that and then there was the, would you move to LA? And I don't know. We're figuring it out. Like I just got here and I don't want to leave right away. Um, I really do think we can find a creative way to do this where like 
we're in both pla- we're in both where places. you moved to Kansas City. <laughs> yes, where we're just like <laughs> we're, we're, in we're the right in the middle. No, no. <laughs> um, you know his family is all in um LA and Malibu. My family is here. Um, family is incredibly important to both of us. And so I think that we'll figure out a creative hybrid. I would really like, you know, he has a great job. I have a a good job. I think that we could have places in both, like maybe smaller places. Like I'm not going to be buying like a giant house south abroad, but maybe I do like a smaller house in like a not less desirable, but like a more up and coming part of town. Maybe we build something together in California somewhere, like given that he's an architect. We, this is too soon to be talking about any of this. And I kind of like can't believe I'm saying all of this right now because it's like very scary. Like the reason I don't talk about relationships is you guys, I have been burned. Like I have been through so much in the past 10 years. So it's hard to even talk about the future with someone when you're just so used to every relationship becoming disposable. So I don't know. We've been together eight months, nine months. I don't even know. I need to look. And I would really like to figure out a creative solution where we're near our families a lot. Like I would totally live in Charleston part of the time, move to LA for like the whole summer, like July through September. Sign me up for just living in California for those three months. I don't know, but I don't think it's going to be one of us hard moves here or one of us hard moves there. I think it's going to be more of a balance. But again, we're still figuring it out. We haven't even been together a year, so it's like too soon. But that's what I would like. I'd be really happy if we could find like a creative way to do both. Well, can you share some advice and the harsh realities of being in a long distance relationship? So the reason I left this one in here is because there was another question and something that I get emails and DMs about saying, is it just the best being in a long distance relationship because you have so much time for yourself and a and I forget what else they said. It's so hard, you guys. Like it is, it is not easy. Um, I am, I am very picky. I've been single for a very long time. Like I know, I knew when like things went well with him. I was like, I really want to make this work and see where it goes. It is not easy. I mean, it's like you have four or five days together and everything is so awesome and I'm so happy. And then he leaves or like right now, like, I don't know when I'm going to see him again. And like, I know I'm going to see him, but like, we don't have a plan. Like we always try and leave it where when we, when we leave each other, we have something else planned and lined up to look forward to. And right now, like, I mean, it's just, he has a lot of family stuff going on. I have a lot of work stuff going on. He is wildly crazy with work. He's So he is building this incredible house right now that is taking like every last second. Like he's on site doing court concrete pours and just doing all of this crazy work. So when that's why I wanted to like do something extra special for his birthday. Like I got us massages and um, we had like a real getaway because the poor man is just very, very stressed right now. So we're just, um, it's hard. Like it is not, it is not for the faints of heart. It is not easy when you like someone so much and you don't get to s- see them all the time. Like time um, zones too are hard. Time zones are hard. Like, you know, I like to go to bed at 10 and I don't do that anymore because I want to stay up and say goodnight to him. Um, And he tries like, but if he has a work dinner or something, you know, 10 o'clock is seven for him and they're just getting started. Like, so it just requires like a lot of work, a lot of planning, um, sacrifice. Like he tries to get up early so that he can talk to me in the morning and I try and stay up later so I can talk to him at night. Cause again, we're both like 
quite busy with work and we don't like shoot the shit in the middle of the day, which would probably be the most convenient time to talk. Um, it is, it is not easy. It's fun to joke about and say like, oh, I get to like have all this time to myself and read and be quiet. And I do like that. Like, I don't, I will always just need like a decent amount of alone time, but I wish I didn't have quite so much alone time. Um, so I would just say it, it, the harsh reality is just that, especially as your feelings for someone grow, you have to um, really work at it and plan and things. And I'm willing to do that because I just think he's so great. And um, I really, I really love him. So, but it's, it's not ideal. I, I had somebody else when I, I do my email newsletter, somebody was like, how can I get in a long distance relationship? I was like, I wouldn't recommend this. Like, don't be like me, like meet someone where you live. So let's take a quick sponsor break. So we are nearing the end of the year and I'm already starting to think about goals for 2022. Maybe you have some bigger goals too, or you just want to make some changes in your life. And maybe you're thinking that you need a little bit of help doing that. So you have been hearing us talk about BetterHelp and, you know, maybe you're wondering, is BetterHelp right for me? So we think that BetterHelp is an awesome service that's right for pretty much anyone. But specifically... If you're looking to pinpoint or address anything that interferes with your happiness or prevents you from achieving your goals, BetterHelp has licensed professional counselors who may be able to help. And they make it really, really easy. So first you fill out a simple online questionnaire that assesses your needs, and they ask you about your age, your relationship status, and your past experience with therapy and what you're looking to address. And then they match you with your own licensed professional therapist in under 24 hours. And then it's up to you to choose how you want to interact with them. So you can message them anytime, no scheduling needed, or you can have weekly phone or video sessions, whatever works best for you. Something we really love is that they also have counselors who are specialized in specific issues like stress, anxiety, relationships, parenting, addictions, eating, sleeping, trauma, family conflict, LGBT matters, self-esteem, and more. All told, they have over 20,000 licensed professional therapists. And what's great is they've committed to facilitating great matches. So if it happens that your first therapist isn't a fit, they're going to make it free and easy to switch in case you need to. And anything you share is always confidential. Best of all, it's more affordable than traditional online counseling and financial aid is available. We want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash paper. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash paper. Uh, are you ready to wrap up with some miscellaneous questions? Yes. Okay. Would you ever move back to New York City? Am I winning the lottery and I can buy like a beautiful like multi-million dollar home downtown? <laughs> um, probably not. It's oh, just I know. You know, I just have gotten used to like a a nicer quality of life. I also really don't like winter. That's fair. But I will be back all the time to visit. So, there's that. That's fair. Yeah. Do you donate regularly to any nonprofits or do any volunteering work? Yes. Volunteering, I have not been so good with, but I actually have, I didn't tell you this, I have a meeting with um, the Gibbs Museum next week to see how I can volunteer and get more involved there. The Gibbs is our big art museum down here. So I feel like it's a good way to um, get more involved in the community and give back, but also do something that I'm really passionate about, which is um, 
well, like learning more about the art world. So that I'm really excited about. I try to give um, anywhere between five and 10% of my pre-tax income back. I do not post about donating the way I used to because I felt that it got very performative and it was like, look what I did. Look, look what a good person I am. So unless I'm do- actively doing a fundraiser where I'm like, I'll match X, Y, Z to whatever cause. Like I did one for India and I did one for, there was a woman's organization like a couple months ago. I can't remember. I give, I give a lot. I think it's important. Like I feel very lucky and I feel like I live a very privileged life. So I try and give back as much as I can. I'm not as good with my time, but again, like you've heard me talk about lack of time, like all, all this episode. So I think that it changes. Like when I was younger and new to New York, I volunteered at a soup kitchen every week and like did a lot of, um, more hands-on things, but I had no money to give and now I have money to give. So I haven't been as good with, um, time, but I'm really excited to see how I can get involved with the museum here and then go from there. That's so cool. Well, that dovetails nicely into the next one. What's your favorite piece of art that you own and what do you have your eye on to buy? Okay. Favorite piece would probably be the big pink Hunt Sloan and bunnies. I just love them. They make me so, so happy. They're just so pretty. And there's like a light sprinkling of diamond dust that makes them very sparkly. I don't know if you can see that when I post. I say that's my number one favorite. And then a few things I'm eyeing, my friend Nathan Durfee does these really amazing whimsical paintings. And I want him to paint Tyrion. I've asked him about this and we need to like talk about that and talk about a budget and things. There is this amazing artist called Matthew Bober and he's actually based in Williamsburg, but has ties to Charleston. He's represented in my friend Robert Lange's art gallery, but he was, um, Jeff Koons is like number one guy for painting. And he does these incredibly realistic paintings, but they're like very dark. So he does like, he has this whole series of like doll heads and they're kind of creepy looking, but I really want one. How big are they? Little, little. Okay. I was going to say like a large format creepy painting. Where would no, you but put that? a small format creepy painting is great. Um, <laughs> and then the big thing I have my eye on eventually, not now, but there's this artist, William Halsey, and he passed away in 1999, but he was kind of the pioneer of modern art in the South. My friend Nick has one of his paintings and I just, I like can't stop thinking about it. And I would like to buy something by him at some point if I can find the right painting at the right price. It's just, you know, he's passed away. So when an artist is no longer living, their work like triples in value. So I don't know if I'd be able to afford that. What is your favorite vacation spot or hotel or both? I think, I mean, Shutters was pretty great. Um, I would say I really love the surf club at the four seasons in Miami. And that was just a magical experience. It, I also like that it's so easy to get to. Yeah. What are the places that are on your travel bucket list? Um, I would really like to go back to Asia, spend more time there, especially Japan. Jeff and I talk about doing like a Southwest kind of art tour. He knows so much about art. And so we were talking about like doing a fun road trip. I'd really like to go to Prague. I loved Vienna so much and I know they're similar. And I would like to go to Croatia. Ooh, okay. How about we let me get into some end matter here? Yeah, you've been an excellent guest. Do you want a desperation minute now, or would you like? <laughs> no. What can I do for you? <laughs> Nothing. Into the end matter. I don't have an Instagram again. I feel like I've just I've been like going on and like doing my work and sp- posting things, and I haven't like 
been trying to find any new accounts to follow. Yeah, I don't have one either. I I get a little antsy when my people I'm following gets too high and there's nobody that I want to unfollow. But I feel like the more people I have, then like the more content there is to consume. I agree. But I do have a regular obsession. I actually have two regular obsessions. So my first regular obsession is um, I started watching Friday Night Lights. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, I watched a few episodes like a long time ago. Okay, so you're not a fan. Mm-mm, it's about sports. It is. Um, I mean, so is Ted Lasso and I really like it. But um, so many people rave about how much they love Friday Night Lights. And I have tried to watch the first episode so many times, like at the urging of friends whose taste I usually trust. And I was never able to get through it. First of all, the first episode looks like it was like shot on somebody's parents' camcorder. Like it looks very dated. And I was just never able to get into it. And finally, a couple of weeks ago, I tried it again and I watched the whole first episode and it like clicked for me. And I'm now so into it. And I'm like almost done with the first season. And, you know, this is from the early 2000s. So seasons are like 20 something episodes long. So um, I'm very into that. And then also, so over quarantine, I got very into making cocktails at home, except for I only really like three cocktails. I like a margarita. I like a dirty martini and I like a Manhattan and that's really it. So anyway, it's at home Manhattan season because it's it's getting cold out. And I was at the liquor store and I don't really know a lot about bourbon. I like a Manhattan with bourbon, not rye. I asked for, I usually get bullet. They didn't have it. And so they recommended this other one that they were like, oh, you would probably like this. And it's called Pinhook. And I really like it. I like it better. Oh, that's great. So I don't know that I'm like on a quest to learn more, but like I discovered a new one that I really like. I love that. It's in a very cute bottle. Um, what about you? What's your obsession? Mine is just this candle from Beauty Pie. It's this holiday candle. And I like it because it's a little different than all the other holiday candles I've smelled. It's um, gingerbread, almond, and orange blossom. And it smells incredible. And it makes your house smell like you've been baking something all day long. And I just, you know, I love my Fraser fur. I love the Nest pumpkin candle when it's like, I, I just finished that one. And so I moved on to something else. But this is really, really nice. And it it's different than any other holiday candle I've ever smelled, but still very holiday. That sounds <clears throat> really good. Yeah. You know, I love candles. It's like, so it's like lame how much I love them, but whatever. Right now I'm in my apple cider candle time, but then it's almost Christmas candle time. Getting there. What about books? Okay. So I finished Cultish, which was amazing. Um, like it's the fastest I've ever read a nonfiction book. You have to read it. It's about cults and then like other organizations that have kind of more like cult-like behavior, like MLMs. I've talked about it last episode. I don't want to keep, but um, MLMs, cult fitness, and it really gets into the language of cults. Like that's what she's saying when she's saying cult-ish, like, like English. Um, oh, <clears throat> I thought it was just like cult adjacent. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, um, it's the language of cults. Oh, okay. I read a book you read last week. I read it in one day, Fake by Erica Katz. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. You were right. I mean, it's like a thriller set in the art world. Like, give me more. It was written for you as the target audience. I mean, I love anything about the 1%. I love the art world. I love like a suspense novel where like it's like a meteoric rise to the top and then you know that it's all going to come crashing down. Like she's flying on like a private plane going to Hong Kong for Art Basel and you just know that like something terrible is going to happen. 
And that one's not out yet. It's not out until February. Yeah. I try not to read advanced copies like too far out because I feel like people get frustrated and they forget about them. But with Erica Katz, like anything she writes, I'll read immediately. Um, and then I am right now I'm I'm back to um Garlic and Sapphires by Ruth Reichel. I just started this book, which Casey talked about when she came on our podcast, um, If You Tell by Greg Olson. And it's about this like woman and her three daughters and like murder and it's true crime. I don't I'm only about 50 pages into it, but I love it so far because I'm going on Casey's podcast in I think I'm recording with her in a week or like right after Thanksgiving. And so she was like, you don't have to do any prep work, but if you want to read this true crime book. And so I'm hoping to finish it before I um, go on her show. And I think I will because I'm reading it pretty quickly. Is this the one that she said is super fucked up or this is a a totally different one? It's the one that she said was super fucked up. So I was like, oh, I I, I wrote it down during the episode. So I was going to read it anyway, but now there's like a push. Okay. Yeah, because what I really want to read is the Hillary Clinton thriller that you talked about. But I um, I got to get this one done for work, but it's fun work. Okay. I have not read a lot since I read the Hillary Clinton one. I read that like in 24 hours and then I took a little reading break. But I started In a New York Minute by Kate Spencer. And she's one of the co-hosts of Forever 35. And her book is out in March. And it's a rom-com. And um. It is pitched as a love letter to New York City. So I'm very excited. I don't have a lot to say, and I'm only 17 pages in, but I'll report back. She sent me a copy of that too, and I'm really excited to read it. So as we mentioned last week, we are going to be on hiatus for the end of December and beginning of January. And so next week is our last episode before that. We'll have a holiday episode next week and then be back in January. So no book club for December. But if you would like more of us, please join our Facebook group. Just search Bad on Paper on Facebook or follow us on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm on Instagram at Grace Atwood and my blog is thestripe.com. And I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman and see you next week. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. Oh, 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 oh,